Welcome to Tuesday nights on Texas football Longhorn live stream. I'm with Jerry Hamilton uh, of InsideTexas.com and on three. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor of our Tuesday night live Longhorn live stream. Uh, first and foremost, that's Energy Texas. Uh, Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's energytexas.com. If you can choose an energy provider, uh, they're the ones for you in the state of Texas. Uh, Jerry, moments, literally <laughs> moments before we got on this uh, live feed, this live stream, you made the decision, I understand, to put in an RPM pick for a young man that's an edge player out of the state of Utah, uh, Cecilia Kana, uh, and you put him in to Texas. Uh, what, what's uh, what your thinking behind that, and uh, why did you do that? Yeah, first of all, that signing day looking over my shoulder tonight. We always have somebody looking over my shoulder for when I'm standing at this angle. But, uh, um, yeah, you know, look, I mean, I, I it's a little bit against the grain. Um, I think there's confidence on – a couple of sides of this recruitment, I think on the Texas side, I think on the Oklahoma side. So um, I'm not saying this Red River showdown's going 49 nothing. I think it's a little closer than that. Um, but uh, look, I, I think there's some quiet confidence on the Texas side that's gotten to be not so quiet confidence on the Texas side. I've been wrong in this business before. I'll be wrong again. Um, but I did put in uh, 60% to Texas. Um, it's about five minutes ago, actually. And, uh, look, I, if it's not Texas or Oklahoma, if it comes out of nowhere, it would be LSU in my opinion. But I, I really think, I think there's confidence more on the sides of Texas and Oklahoma ahead and into tonight. And I think Texas has been growing a little bit in the last week. I, uh, if I'm not surprised, if I'm not uh, mistaken, you are the only one out there with, uh, Akana and picking Texas at this point. Um, what, what has been the perception? He's, has he long been, thought to be an Oklahoma lean. His sister plays volleyball for the Longhorns and just served uh, the uh, national championship point. What, what's going on here? Yeah, I you know, I think the interesting thing was a lot of the West Coast guys um, have put in picks for Oklahoma. Uh, um, we'll see who ends up being right. Um, I think a lot of that was based on a word coming down. that They had a great – Oklahoma had a great in-home with Brent Venables in that family. Um, and, and I think that led a lot of the path, led a, a lot of people down the path uh, uh, to go ahead and put in the Oklahoma pick because Oklahoma has uh, been right there. Talked about as a favorite off and on. Um, but I think Texas has been maybe underestimated in this recruitment a little bit. Um, so we, we shall see what happens tomorrow. Uh, but Texas has always had maintained a really good relationship with Akana. You mentioned the sister does play at Texas and volleyball. Um, could they tag team a nice little NL op NIL opportunities around Austin? Quite possibly. Sister's a national champion now and served the winning point. Um, and and Tassili is obviously a four-star recruit ranked in the top 100 by some. Uh, so we'll see We'll see which way this one ultimately goes tomorrow. But um, uh, I, I'm definitely out there on the limb by myself, and we'll see what happens. Uh, hey, uh, well, it wouldn't be fun if it weren't recruiting, right, Jerry? That's right. You know, hey, um, you, did, you did put in a 60% chance in your – your opinion. It wasn't like, oh, it's a definite lock or anything like that. Hey, uh, some other news uh, in Longhorn land uh, today, uh, broken by InsideTexas.com. Uh, transfer wide receiver, Ajay Hall, 
no longer with the Longhorn program. Uh, he did not practice today, uh, and uh, it appears his days as a Longhorn are complete. Jerry, you followed Ajay as a uh, high schooler. You said he went to four or five different high schools, uh, transferred after one year with Nick Saban, only makes it a year at Texas. Um, you, you know, I I feel bad about this sort of thing uh, and wish the best for the kid because obviously I think he's got some stuff he's got to he's got to pick up and clean up uh, to make the best of himself. But uh, his time with the Longhorns apparently over. Well, and this is the these are the ones in our business as long as we've been in it we hate to see because he's a legitimate five star talent. I mean, the talent is not there. This guy could legitimately be a NFL draft pick at wide receiver or corner. He is that talented of an athlete. Um, and so you hate you hate to see this, and he's still got time. But, you know, man, those red flags are really adding up, especially with all the detail these guys go into. I, I call it investigating because that's what they're doing, investigating guys' backgrounds when they go in the NFL draft. I mean, five high schools in four years. Um, didn't make it at IMG. You know, the track record for guys that don't make it at IMG is very interesting when you look back on it. Those guys tend to not make it long term because that is pretty much a college program. And if they buck that program, that's a that's a red flag in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, you hope he figures it out. It'll be interesting to see where his next stop is. Uh, you know, if it's me, I mean, I might head on over to Boca. <laughs> FI, FIU or FAU? FAU, play for old Tom Herman there and just get 50 targets. They need a kid like that with that talent level. Um, uh, uh, FAU would would take him in a second, um, in my opinion. So I hope he looks at a place like that where he can just go get on the field and give himself a chance to have success. But for that to happen, things have to change. Yeah, it does. Hey guys, uh, tonight uh, it's uh, it's about uh, just ten after fifteen after uh, the hour here. Uh, we're going to be taking your questions again uh, on signing day eve. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the number of guys that we expect to sign tomorrow. Uh, we've got a number of, of guys we got to go over yet that we haven't talked about. DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of uh, California. Uh, Kamarian Pimpton, the tight end out of North Crowley. Jelani McDonald, uh, the athlete out of Waco. And then Tyler Scott, a defensive back out of Georgia. Those guys are all deciding uh, here in the next uh, in the next 24 hours, although McDonald will not announce his decision, I'm told until January 7th, but he is expected to sign tomorrow. He just won't let everyone know what's going on. Um, additionally, Jerry, there are some guys that we're monitoring to make sure that they do indeed sign tomorrow. One of those is Derek Williams, the safety, uh, almost five-star safety out of New Iberia, Westgate, uh, in down in Louisiana. Uh, Terry Joseph has been uh, on him from the get-go uh, and got an early commitment from him as well. Uh, you spoke uh, to someone close to him earlier today. Do we know if he's for sure going to sign with the Longhorns tomorrow? No, we don't know for sure. I mean, look, I, I'll say he signs and I'm proven wrong on this. Um, you know, a family member said, hey, well, I guess you'll just have to wait until tomorrow to find out. I've literally talked to this person 10 times during throughout the process. So um, I think there's – I think it's probably there's a chance that they're have they're just trying to keep everything uh, secretive and whether he's that he's in, that he's going to sign and just kind of play it up a little bit. 
Um, but then there's also the chance maybe, you know what, the season carried on and, you know, a Miami's making a really strong push and he wants to go take a visit. Um, I'm going to, before I get to that point, I want to see what happens in the next couple of days with this early signing period. I, for the Texas fans, if he doesn't sign Wednesday or Thursday, then it's a different conversation. Um, I will go with he's signing with Texas tomorrow until I'm proven wrong. Got it. All right. Um, uh, Horns, uh, Longhorn fans need to have their fingers crossed on that one. Uh, as a note, uh, Jerry and I uh, will be on the air here on the Longhorn Live, doing a Longhorn Live stream at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning uh, until noon. Uh, we will be trying to do that. I'm going to have, I've actually got COVID right now, so let's be clear about that. Jerry's been suffering for, from pink eye for the last two Oof. weeks. Three and um, a half. And so we've, we're both under the weather right now. Uh, Trey Elling is going to step in a little bit uh, for me at some point tomorrow. Justin Wells will join us as well as uh, Ian Boyd and uh, Eric Nalene, publisher of Inside Texas, will join us on the show uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, Jerry, let's keep going down this list yep. of guys uh, that, oh, all right. Matt, our producer, put this one up because uh, yep. Justin Yarbrough gave us Love a super it. chat. Go ahead, Jerry. Let you go for it. Jerry, the question is, Jerry, who is your sleeper guy for this class? And how do you compare this class from last class, not including the portal? Okay. Um, my sleeper for this class has to be Andre Kojo. And, and it's and it's this for a few reasons. One, he's going to be 17 years old still when he enrolls at Texas in January. He is a young, young senior. Um, his junior to senior year tape, was really improved to me just a lot more purpose more physicality um was stayed on the blocks longer showed athleticism down the field and effort blocks in space so he started to show some signs and make no mistake he's got a lot of time in front of him to develop physically uh, so the guy you see now is not close to the guy you'll see once he hits the field he'll red he'll come in he'll compete in spring ball He'll redshirt next year, in my opinion. Uh, but he's got a lot of upside. And the key with him is, is it right tackle upside or is it interior offensive line upside? I see him as an interior guy headed into the college level. Uh, but we'll see what happens when that body reshapes and he continues to get stronger. And who knows what he's going to look like when he's 19 and a half years old. Because he's a long ways 345 pounds, Jerry. Give and me a break. And an 83-inch 83 inch wingspan. There just aren't many of those guys. And yep. – we know how Sarkeesian and Flood feel about those guys. Uh, so how he's would you compare. So how would you compare this year's class from last year's? Yeah, I think last year's class um, is overall slightly better for me because offensive line has been in the doldrums for so long, and they signed a not good but great class of offensive linemen. And two of those guys ended up starting as freshmen. Uh, Kelvin Banks looked every bit of the part as a first round future first round pick. Um, I, I really liked that class. Uh, I like the defensive line guys who are going to develop, whether that be the edge guys, the hybrid guys like Ross and Bledsoe. I thought that class really addressed the offensive and defensive lines, which is huge when you consider moving to the SEC after one more season in the Big 12. So I, I thought that class. Uh, maybe ahead a little bit, but let's see how this class ends up. Some people would say, well, Arch Manning's in this class, so it's automatically better. And that may be, end up being the case. And now with Anthony Hill in it, 
I, I think Texas addressed needs in this class too. More than what where class is ranked. And I and I know I hype that up a lot because you know you want to sign back to back top five classes and stack those classes together. But it, to me, it's more about filling needs. And I think the linebacker position was really filled in this class. I think there's some great developmental guys on the offensive line that fit well with the last offensive line class. I think Sadir Mitchell, you could argue, is better than any D lineman signed last year as far as the upside goes. Clearly it is. Um, so I think they got a possible war daddy on the defensive line, which has a SEC size. So I could go either way with it, but I lean slightly to the 2022 class. But let's see what happens in the next week with this 23 class, because I could easily change my opinion depending on which guys jump in. Uh, if you read, uh, if you read uh, by chance uh, inside Texas, you'll know I went with my uh, uh, pick for uh uh, surprise, I guess, or uh, unheralded recruit with Spencer Shannon, the tight end out of modern day. Uh, I, I made that choice this morning and, and talked about it in that article. I just think that he's a guy that athletically is is what you want. Um, he's just, you know, he doesn't play in an offense that's going to throw the ball a, a ton to the tight end. Yeah. Um, yet he's got the, the skills, he's got the size, and, and I think he's got the work ethic and the right mindset. Uh, to maximize his skills, uh, as far as the uh, as far as the comparing comparing the two classes, I lean with Jerry on that. Uh, Jerry, here's another one for us. What early enrollees will benefit the most from the extra time on campus and putting in the work? You mentioned Andre Kojo is only 17. Yeah, I think this one's pretty easy. Um, Cedric Baxter. And and I've said this on the show many times, but here's the thing with Cedric Baxter. For the people that are just coming in, falling ca- recruiting casually, they see 6'1", 215, and think he's a ready-made college guy physically. Got to remember, in the Sunshine State, state of Florida, they don't have athletic periods at all these schools. Some do, the St. Thomas Aquinas and some of those. They don't have 10 full-time coaches like Texas high school football or Georgia and some of those setups. He's 6'1", 215, and he hasn't scratched the surface physically. He's got natural gifts, but he's going to be 6'1", 230, and I bet he's close to that next year when he plays his first game in Austin. I've seen it happen with too many of these Florida kids living down there covering this stuff nationally. His body is not even close to what it's going to look like in about in a few months. So I think that benefit and, you know, look, when you're running back, those holes pinch. And I saw it. Um, with Leonard Fournette at the Under Armour game that week. Those holes pinched, and he didn't see that backside cut, cut back very, nearly as quick as he did in the high school video. So I think being in as an early enrollee is going to be huge for Cedric Baxter where his vision gets the catch. Everybody talks about the speed of the game. Well, now his vision gets the catch up in the spring, and that's really going to prepare him uh, for his freshman season instead of coming in in June. Uh, the other guy, Anthony Hill. And Malik Muhammad, uh, Leona LaFowle, the linebackers, right? I think those guys. Uh, and Sadir Mitchell. Sadir Mitchell being in, you know, a guy that can reshape his body a little bit, um, can learn to play with more consistent pad level. Having a spring to do that is so big compared to coming in in June and starting in your first pads in college or in August. So I look at those guys, Malik Muhammad at corner, um, coming in, getting beat in the spring, learning how to respond to that adversity of getting beat by really good players in the spring, learning how to make plays on the ball down the field at the power five level. I think all those guys, Anthony Hill um, playing downhill, being a sure tackle or 
against guys like Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter. That's going to be a change for him. Uh, he plays against good competition in Texas. You don't play against backs like that very often. So I think those guys are who I'm looking at to be impact players next year. Um, and, and I think that it's really going to benefit them coming into the spring. I'll tell you another one. This will be an interesting one. Bobby, the one more guy I'll mention, of course it'll help Arch Manning. But Darian Gillette, and I say that from a rehab perspective. Being in, he gets. He told me this morning he gets released in February to start running and will be able to do some light drills. He can't do any football stuff this spring. But being at the University of Texas and rehabbing every day and being in a nutritional program every day, I think that's going to speed up his recovery process instead of being at Teague High School through May. I think I that's say, more want. more hills in Austin too. <laughs> that's right. You know, I mean, than, than in Teague. So you you get a little up and down, little little uh, movement there. All right, a uh, couple quick questions: Is Sadir Mitchell an early enrollee? Yes. The answer is yes uh, to that. Uh, here's one that I want to get to because we talked about it at the open, and I want to mention this: of the five left, we are still recruiting, and those five are DeAndre Moore, wide receiver out of uh, California, Tassilia Kana, linebacker edge out of really an edge. Out of uh, Utah, Kamorian Pimpton, tight end. Out of uh, North Crowley, Jelani McDonald, athlete. Out of Waco. And Tyler Scott, DB, out of Georgia. Of the five still left, we are recruiting. Are we expecting to get all five? What would be your best parlay? Um, I think that Tyler Scott, uh, you and I think that Texas is likely out of that one. Right, Jerry? Yeah. So really, we're talking about four. Yeah, really, I think we're talking about four. I think Scott will end up at Auburn based on everything I've heard this afternoon. Uh, Tennessee made a really strong run there, but I just think the close close to home with Auburn, um, the opportunity with the new staff to come in and really compete from day one there, I think that's going to put Auburn over the top for Scott. I, I like I always like Texas chances of DeAndre Moore. I'll stick with that. Um, uh, you know, Camorian Pimpton. I think you know that one's going to be interesting uh, because. I think those conversations with the family are going to be very interesting. You know, he loves the relationship with the Vanderbilt staff, right? Um, but I think there's a lot of things at play that the family likes being close to Austin. So I think that one will be a family decision if it goes Texas way. If it's just Camorian's decision, it wouldn't shock me if he didn't end up with Vanderbilt. So we'll see which way that one goes. Jelani McDonald, I like Texas chances. Look, he'll sign – somewhere tomorrow, and then he'll announce January 7th at the All-America Bowl. Same thing with Tyler Scott. I like Texas chances there. Um, and I think Akana, I've kind of spoken on that. We'll see. I actually just got a couple of interesting texts on that. Scene. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with Akana. Uh, yeah, um, I tell you what, Jerry. Um, I am, I am going to check on something real quick. Uh, could you carry on the conversation? I've got to look at something. I'm going to remove myself right now. Uh, Matt, our, our producer, I've got to remove ourselves myself because I've got to look up something real quick uh, in that as it relates to that. Go ahead and uh, yep. keep talking, Jerry, and, and carry it on. Yeah, so let, let's talk about the recruiting rankings for those that care about that stuff. Texas has the number six class currently. Um, that's going to be impacted by a lot tomorrow when you look at it. Um, I love the idea of Texas Sarkeesian getting up tomorrow and knowing he signed back-to-back -to -back top five classes, this class could finish as high as three if things go their way tomorrow, if they picked off three guys, um, three four-star players. Uh, the top 19 guys in your class factor into the uh, into the class ranking. So you can look up, go to Inside Texas, you can look up the Texas recruiting class right there, number six. And some other things are going to impact this class ranking. Look, 
Alabama, I think, gets Quay Russo and James Smith, the two five stars. Georgia, I think, gets Damon Wilson, Jordan Hall, a couple other guys. They're going to finish one, two. Nobody's getting them. Okay. The question is who's going to finish with the number one class. And if Bama gets Russo and Smith, they probably do. They may lose somebody to Miami. Um, that could keep Miami in the th- in the three spot. I think what's interesting after that is if Peyton Bowen sticks with Notre Dame and doesn't flip to Oklahoma, then Notre Dame's got a better chance to hold off Texas. But if Texas were to get two or three four-star guys tomorrow, I think they could jump all the way to four um, when, when we look at how the rankings are compiled. So it, we'll see what happens. Like if Damon Wilson goes to Georgia over Ohio State, that really helps Texas in the climb into the top five. Those little things matter. I know some people don't care about it. What's the difference between six and four? Well, you know, everything matters in recruiting. All momentum you have matters in recruiting. So uh, that's one of the things to look at with the class. Um, look, the number one quarter ranked quarterback, Arch Manning, the number one ranked running back, uh, Cedric Baxter, coming to Austin in the same class. I mean, that's that. Uh, that's not a lot of times, Bobby. We kind of I think we talked about that before. How many times is the number one ranked quarterback and running back? gone to the same program, the same class. Uh, It doesn't happen very often. So uh, that's a big hit right there. And the other thing I look at with the class is, you know, the the job to shard choice did is always going to be underrated for me in this class because he didn't, wasn't a volume recruiter in this class. So he may not win a national recruiter of the year because he doesn't have six names next to his. But let me tell you something, you go into Orlando and you pull the number one running back in the country, that's worthy of recruiter of the year for me. And then, you know, you're in on Peyton Kirkland. You open doors in Georgia. But here's the thing with the the biggest thing, and we'll see who ends up being the better running back three or four years from now, whether it's Cedric Baxter, whether it's Ruben Owens, now that he's going A&M. That'll be fun for the two fan bases to argue about. But to come into Texas and be to short choice, you're right when you step foot in Austin, you decide that you want the, the running back in Florida, Cedric Baxter, over the running back at El Campo, Texas, who was a one time Texas commitment. That shows a lot of chops as a recruiter to begin with, trusting your own evaluation and your relationship. Uh, when there's another nationally ranked back, one of the top three in the country, there was a former Texas commitment that you could have got back in the fold. Yeah, I think it's a tremendous job recruiting there. I'm going to ask you some more questions. Uh, As it relates to uh, uh, this stuff, Jerry, I I feel like we've asked a a lot of this, but this is going to be interesting one here from Grayman. When you don't hear about certain edge players, but hear more about Colton Vosick, it's a sign Texas missed on guys, right? 2022 edges are where to be found. Well, first of all, we just talked about Tassilia Kana and how you put in a uh, uh, RPM pick for him to Texas today. The only one, I think, out of 10 or so across multiple networks. Um, Jerry, what what are your thoughts on Texas and edge recruiting at this point? Yeah, I think when you combine the two classes, I, I think there's their head, Texas is headed in the right direction. Look, I mean, I think Vosick has is one of the highest floor guys in this class. I think you know exactly what you're, you're going to get out of Colton Vosick, a great motor. Real physical toughness, really comes in technically advanced. He plays for his father, uh, the defensive line coach, obviously, at Austin Westlake, Coach Vosick, former Texas football player. He comes from a winning program. They expect to win every Friday. They expect to be the most physical team every time they 
take the field. I think all that stuff matters, and that sets Colton Vosick's floor. Um, you know, I kind of see him similar to Justice Finkley last year, but a, a but a bigger frame, a better prospect in that how he his pass rush translates to that power five level to SEC level, which is where he's going to play most of his years, is really going to tell the story of how high his ceiling is. But he comes in with a really high floor. He matches up well. Um, Darren Gillette, we'll see what he does long-term, where he plays long-term. We'll see what happens with the Celia Kana, who has got natural pass rush ability. Um, and that's really his strength. But, you know, you look at the guys last year, how they combine. Vosick's different from Ethan Burke and Jamon Tapp. Those guys were upside guys that were more raw, that had really high-end physical ability and some traits athletically. I think it's a great match. We'll see what happens with Jare Bledsoe. He may stick outside for another year while he's getting really starting to fill up that frame. Chris Ross could even see some time in the spring outside. So I think they're on the right track uh, with the young guys. Oh, Now what they need, they need two of those guys to come through and be difference makers. That's what they really need out of these two classes. A couple of programming notes for folks. Um, uh, we've mentioned those guys that are announcing tomorrow. Uh, we know that DeAndre Moore, uh, and these are, these are going to be central time, not West Coast or Mountain. Uh, DeAndre Moore uh, is expected to announce his decision at 2 p.m. C- central, 12 o'clock Pacific. Uh, Cecilia Kana is expected to announce his decision at 3 p.m. Not uh, surprisingly, uh, or not, I shouldn't say not surprisingly. Additionally, uh, Steve Sarkeesian has his press conference set for 3 o'clock. Um, we do not know when Kamari and Pimpton will make his decision tomorrow or announce his decision, uh, nor do we know for sure uh, when Tyler Scott will do that at this point. Well, Ty, 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 we know Tyler Scott. Tyler oh. Scott will sign at 7 in the morning East Coast time, but he's not announcing till January 7th at the Army All-America Bowl or the All-America Bowl now. Okay, so he and Jelani McDonald are Correct. doing the same thing. Correct. They're Pimpton, signing tomorrow, but yeah. not announcing until an arm, the Army or until the All-American game. Kamorian Pimpton told me yesterday, and I've heard nothing different, that he is signing tomorrow. There was just not a specific set time. North Crowley is not doing anything at the school. See, some of the schools are already closed for the holidays. Yeah. So some of these kids are just signing at home or having a little party uh, signing ceremony. And we actually have a thread on Inside Texas about that. I put that out today where, you know, the times and kind of places all these kids are having their ceremonies. But something to remember with that, Texas is going to have letters of intent in hand before those happen. If DeAndre Moore is going to Texas, their ceremonies at 2 p.m. Uh, Central Time, but that letter of intent will probably be in hand a lot earlier than that. So that's kind of the way the game is going nowadays in recruiting is those coaching staffs want that letter of intent in hand, then go do your mock signing and, and announce it at that point. Speaking with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com and on three sports, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, thank you uh, to our sponsor. I want to say thanks again to him uh, and those guys at Energy Texas. Uh, at Energy Texas, Uh, It is energy for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Thank you for your sponsorship uh, too on Texas football, uh, as well as the Longhorn live stream uh, from energytexas.com. Uh, Jerry, we want to talk, uh, take a few more questions here. Do you have yeah, something? Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. I just want to pass along a little note on Akana now. Um, I think I got everything riled up on that. Um, to my knowledge, 
person's knowledge that texted me, he, and as somebody I talked with earlier about an hour before the show, he has not informed Oklahoma or Texas of his decision yet. Interesting. And that could change later tonight. Or yes. LSU's the third team in it. Yep. There you go. Good stuff. Um, getting you up to date there with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three. Jerry, here's another one uh, from Nate. Uh, it seems like there's a lot more guys this class that'll be enrolling early. Is that true? And how does that impact the program? One, Texas almost has a top 10 class of early enrollees, which just tells you how good a class they have, right? Um, and Bobby, we I don't know if you have the list there. We can go down, but I'd love to just throw it out. Let's see if we hit on all these. Arch Manning, Cedric Baxter, Jonte Cook. Um, if DeAndre Moore goes Texas way, um, then you have the four offensive linemen. The only one not enrolling early, I believe, is Trevor Goosby. So that means um, Kojo, Chapman. Yep. Uh, uh, Stro. Stro and Peyton Kirkland, all early enrollees. Malik Muhammad, you see there, early enrollee. Um, Anthony Hill, Liana LaFowle, early enrollees. Colton Vosick, early enrollee. Um, so you see this class is really – Darren Gillette, early enrollee. Obviously, he won't be going through spring practice. Sadir Mitchell, early enrollee as well. So you go down this class. Billy Walton is not. Trevor Goosby is not. Connor Stroh is. Trey Wisner is not. Spencer Shannon is not. Kojo is. Will Randall's not. And uh, Sanborn actually is not uh, because class is in in March. But uh, most early enrollees I can remember in a Texas class for sure. I think that would be 14 if DeAndre Moore – Jumps in tomorrow. Um, Is Pipton or Akana? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Pimpton is not. He'll stay in Pimpton. He'll stay. And uh, Akana, I believe, is, but I, I might be mistaken on it. But Pimpton is not. Pimpton will stay and he'll compete on the tra in track and field and go after a state championship and in the discus this this uh, spring. So we'll see if he can get that. Uh, but yeah, it impacts the program greatly to me. I mean, you can go down every player and why it impacts the program. Uh, let's start with Arch Manning. His speed of the game. I mean, look, he played at Isidore Newman. He did not play with a bunch of track athletes. He was not throwing the ball vertically to fast guys. He played with good players, not fast players. And there's a big difference. So he gets to come in and adjust to the speed of the game. And that also gets him ready if there's an injury next year. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Um, so that's big. Cedric Baxter, we've talked about that. I think that's huge uh, for him to come in early and really set the table uh, to get where he, he can be physically. He's good, but he's going to be great physically in a few months and compete with Jonathan Brooks and learn the system, learn pass pro. I mean, how often do we talk about pass pros, what holds freshman running backs back? Guys that come in early. They get they get a little taste of that and they get coached up by Tashar Choice in the spring. And that really advances them. And he's got some great leadership qualities. I think he's going to fit in the locker room. I, then you look at the linebackers, obviously, Anthony Hill and, and LaFowle. That's huge to get those guys on campus. There's need there. Those guys have an opportunity to play next year and really push some guys. So that's huge. You look at the offensive line, though. These guys aren't going to be they're probably all going to redshirt next year, but think about the, how low the numbers were last spring on the offensive line. And now you look at the 2022 class and four members of the 23 class, 
and you suddenly have a really good offensive line and, and, and a chance to develop those guys this spring. So that's a sign that the program's headed in the right direction. And then Malik Muhammad at corner, I think that's a big one. Uh, he can come in and compete right away uh, with the Terrence Brookses of the world and really face that adversity, get beat in practice, get beat twice in a row, and, and just come back from that. Learn how to finish the plays down the field uh, against the Power 5-level wide receiver, whether that's a Xavier Worthy uh, or, or or somebody else. Um, then John T. Cook, I think it's huge for him this spring uh, because Texas, look, they have a need. There's opportunity there. There's Texas needs a number three wide receiver. And if he ends up being the guy, if he comes in and takes it from other guys, then that helps Texas team next year immediately. So I think it's great for the program. I think there a lot of these guys are positions in need. But more than the talent, the individual talent, just look at where Texas was on the offensive line last spring versus where they're going to be this spring. Got it. Um, this uh, this is obviously na- we're on the eve of National Signing Day, so we're we're spending most of our time uh, on talking about recruiting. Obviously, we mentioned earlier that uh, a Jai Hall, a transfer, is no longer with the team. Inside Texas, breaking that news uh, earlier today. Uh, so I think this is a, a good question to kind of segue into Jerry uh, from Freddie. How many transfer portal spots are available this year, in your opinion, Jerry? I think it's kind of tough right now. I think we have to fit, see how this class finishes up. Um, I, I think linebackers less likely now than it was. Uh, I, I think there's a need at corner. Um, I still think there's a need at safety. I still think there's a need at wide receiver, and that I'll be su- surprised if there's not a transfer receiver added to the mix. Um, but I, I think outside of that, I mean, you know, D tackles. The, the interesting thing with that's a big question on inside Texas is. You know, what about interior D-line? Well, there aren't many of those guys that jump in the portal that are high-level high yeah. guys. Yeah. Those guys don't get away. They're too vital uh, to the college program success. I mean, unless the they're going unless they're going up from FCS. That's it. That's it. Or or a or even um a a G5 school as a, right. as opposed to a power five school. Right. Right. If there's a really good player. A Jared Verse that played edge for FSU that may be a first, second round pick, right? Um, you know, if there's, let's be real, if there's NIL opportunities for those guys, that's when those guys jump in. Uh, I mean, so, you know, it, but the D tackles are few and far between in the portal. That may be the one position there's less high end talent than any other. Yeah. A um, couple of questions on NIL here that I think are, are intriguing. I want to take uh, one by one. First from Victor, Jerry and Bobby, what's the most difficult aspect of your job in the NIL era? Well, I can tell you this, putting in a pick for Tassilia Kana. I mean, those are that, like our job in that regard is it, it, it's utter chaos right now because it, I was talking to somebody, another 20-year person in the industry about an hour before the show. And the crazy thing about the business now in the NIL world is if you put in a pick for a kid to go one school, then the other school and that collective say, whoa, whoa, we got some work to do here. They He must know something that we don't know. We're almost, it's crazy to think that we could actually impact the kid's recruitment by putting in a pick. I, I, I've never been in that position before. So yeah, and, and, I, and here's the issue to that too. You don't know who you're impacting and not impacting. Right. And, and the other thing is, um, you know, I, I feel like, uh, there are a lot more last minute, and I mean last last minute yes. changes 
yes. that you know we would we could categorize them as flips um but some of them you know it's just this is a strange day and time we live in uh, you have uh pat narduzzi the head coach at pitt coming out today and saying drake may the quarterback at at unc turned down multiple five million dollar offers to leave north carolina after his freshman year um or mac brown i think said four million uh for his star quarterback you know, we're dealing with very real money and very real situations. Yes. And so we don't know, even though we may be covering these recruitments as well as we can, I think that it, it makes it more, it's not less reliable reporting. It's just that there's more movement and more fluidity in yes. the recruitment uh, that we can't know every single piece of everything going down as perhaps as much as we once were. Um, here's another well, one. Bobby, as it relates to that. Bobby, and I think this too. I think the NIL day and age, some of the people that you rely on for information throughout these recruitments, at the end, they're cut out on the information. Whether that be the high school coach, seven-on-seven coach, whoever, it gets down to the nitty-gritty. And I don't think those guys know as much late in the process as they used to before the NIL day and age. Yep. Here's another one. Can we pry away any Aggie players? Do you have any ballpark how much NIL goes to the high four to five star players? I was hearing 250K plus. Um, I, I, I don't think they're going to pry any Aggie players away. So let's just yeah. take that one out. That one's not happening. Uh, but do you have any ballpark how much NIL goes to the high four to five star players? Well, I think if you're a quarterback or a pass rusher, it's pretty good business. I think it's north of that number. <laughs> yeah. Well north of that number. Just think about what Matt Brown and Narduzzi said today. I mean, it's well north of that number. Gotcha. Um, question for you. Uh, how is Texas still in on Jacoby Lane, the wide receiver, wide receiver out of Phoenix? Yeah, I think uh, from what I heard the last, what, 48, 72 hours, is that one's not expected. Uh, Texas had a level of confidence there. Um, I, I think, you know, with things looking really positive for DeAndre Morgan as of 7.45 tonight, Central Time, as it has been for a while, I think Texas would be happy with those three guys in the high school class and, and move on and get somebody in the portal. They really love Jacoby Lane. Um, but I think part of it was it's tough to pry from USC at the end of the day. You can feel confident in that recruitment, but that kid still has to tell Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and those guys he's not coming. And then two – you know, were you really going to take four high school wide receivers? That's the, that, and I think that's the other part with NIL, Bobby, and, and our jobs now is I think this stuff changes so much. Oh, maybe they think somebody's going to jump into the portal that's better than the high school kid they're recruiting. Maybe they want to save that number for the portal. Maybe at one point they're looking at four wides. Oh, now we're just going to take three. So I think this stuff is so fluid nowadays. Uh, but Texas loved Jacoby Lane. That's one I think they would have taken. They just couldn't get it across the finish line. Yep. Um, this one, Jerry. Twitter is buzzing after Evan Stewart posted a cryptic tweet to which Jonte Cook replied. So can I say something about uh, sure. about this? How seriously do we take cryptic tweets on Twitter, Jerry? Um, well, I think those guys probably texted each other about the time those tweets came out. So we shouldn't take it very <laughs> for much. I mean, guys, we yeah, also those guys, dealt, those we, guys we also dealt guys with no, seriously. We also things. dealt with a another person putting out there. Oh, Donald, uh, Jalen Catalan is in Austin over the weekend. 
And Dylan Spencer last weekend. Yeah. He was catching and, a connecting flight to Texas Tech, and he played it up because he was in the Austin airport. Exactly. Texas is not recruiting Catalan at this point. Uh, no, no interest right now. Texas in the portal from a safety standpoint. If they go after anybody, it sounds like it might be uh, Jihad Carter out of Syracuse, uh, the safety there that's also, I think, visited Ohio State now. But, um, you know, that's down the line. They don't even know if they can get him, but it won't be Catalan. And as far as Dylan Spencer, he flipped the Texas Tech, and Texas didn't really track him, you know. They were were kind of done with that. So, um, look, people read too much into social media. There are times when social media is is legitimate, but do not jump to conclusions because of it. Uh, That is the wrong way to go. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard such and such took all all of Texas off of his Twitter or such and such took all of A&M off of his Twitter. And it, it's just they're they're reskinning their page or they're doing something different. It just rarely turns into being anything of, of note uh, that I, I would say. Um, this is a good question from Joel McWaters. Uh, happy signing day, Eve. What how many, by the way, how many is this for you, Bobby? How many signing day Eves? Oh God! <laughs> no, like people are already saying I look tired on air, and they're saying you look tired and sleepy well, and tired. all this stuff. Well, I mean, I don't. I get t- more tired whenever somebody asks me a question like that, Jerry. I don't. <laughs> I don't need to be thinking about it. Um, what player on the current roster, in your opinion, not necessarily a starter, is going to get pushed the hardest by one of tomorrow's signees, Jerry? Um. That's a great question. I would say the edge guys that were freshmen this last year with Vosick coming in is one for sure. Uh, Vosick has the motor. He's got the physicality. Look, his dad's a D-line coach. has taught him well. He's not going to come in and be surprised by anything at the Power 5 level other than just adjusting to bigger players every single play. Uh, I think he's really going to push some guys just from that motor and physicality standpoint. Um, and I think, you know, not that he's going to push. Shadir Mitchell is going to be different than what Texas has. So I, not that he's going to push Tavondre Sweat. That's not going to happen. Probably look at linebackers this spring. I mean, I, th- that's the position I really look at where Texas needs help. And some of those guys who are backups haven't really, that should be pushing for a starting job next year, haven't really taken that next step. Um, who's going to push a David Benda potentially, right, in the spring? I think I'm looking at linebacker with Anthony Hill and Tafa, uh, and uh, Leona LaFowle. Got it. All right, that makes sense to me. I, I would go, you know, I, I hesitate to do this, but it's I think it's important. I think Malik Muhammad will, yeah. will get his, his name in there somehow because he asked not just about the starters necessarily, but the backups, and I, I don't think – um, there's much behind um, Ryan Watts and uh, Terrence Brooks at this point. We mentioned Xavion Bryce today in a report, uh, apparently having a good a good uh, fall or excuse me a good bowl uh, practice series. But literally, Texas is really light at corner right now. Well, that's a great point, Bobby. So that make could create a push in safety. So if Malik Muhammad comes in and looks real looks the part early. That could push an Austin Jordan to safety, and that creates a different competition than the one we're even talking about now. Yeah. Well, Derek, Derek Williams uh, could really push uh, the other safety spot potentially as well. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think it's a good overall question, not necessarily one that that's easy to answer because there are a lot of uh, a good good questions out there. Uh, looking for some more uh, questions right now uh, to get into the to some more talk here, I guess, and and looking through these things. Um, we mentioned the other day, Jerry, that that Xavier uh, Xavier Worthy was changing his number from number eight to number one. That became quasi official today. Uh, we reported that a couple of days ago. I'll, I'll put that out there for people. I just hope he plays like a first round pick next year. Texas will have a really good year if he does. If he yeah, plays like number one, uh, there is no doubt about that. Um, you know, here's one talk about Isaiah Nayor um, and where he is in his recovery. Uh, the reality of it is, I don't think we know. Where I don't he's know that. No. Um, and this is from River Oaks Society. Um, uh, how is Nayor's recovery coming along? Will we see him in the spring? I, we have, that has actually been one of the more quiet topics uh, this offseason, and it's not due from us asking and, and trying to get more intel on that for you guys. Um, so I'll, I'll take this, Jerry, further. Uh, I will say that I have heard not – I will have, I, I will say I have heard he's not behind schedule. So I, it's not something that's I'm concerned about right now, but clearly he's so talented – uh, any delay in getting him in for the spring, possibly, even if it's late and non-contact, Jerry, I think is important for the future uh, of the team. Yeah, no question about it. And look, I don't have that answer either. Um, uh, but like Bobby said, we haven't heard anything about him being behind. Um, and I talked to somebody who's pretty close with him a few weeks ago and thought he was right on track. Uh, what is that track? When does that mean he's back in pads? I don't have that answer right now. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. So, I mean, there's only th certain things we can do. Um, all right. How many yards do we rush for against Washington? Um, this is coming from Kerry, and this is an Alamo Bowl question, Jerry, obviously. Jonathan Brooks is going to get the majority of carries, we believe, uh, the sophomore from Hallettsville, uh, replacing Bijan Robinson and uh, Roshan Johnson. Uh, Jerry, you have a, a take on this. Is this – you know, does you? I think you said 150. Is that was that your guess uh, yeah. the other day? Yeah. I, I look. I think Jonathan Brooks is going to um, run with his hair on fire, so to speak. I, this is a huge opportunity for him. Uh, he's been waiting on this opportunity for almost two seasons. Uh, I think. I think Texas offensive line will play well, um, and I think Jonathan Brooks is going to have a really good game. If he doesn't, Texas isn't going to win the game. I'll say that. I'd be shocked if they did. But I think he's going to have a really good game. I think he's a really talented player. I think he's got tremendous vision. The only thing that could deal, derail him, in my opinion, was a ball security issue. And this will be the first time he's carried the ball a lot and a number of times in a row, potentially, at the Power 5 level. So ball security is going to be huge for him as a young running back. If he passes that test, I think Texas is going to create holes, um, and I think he'll have a good game. Jerry? Uh, I'm going to let you do this because okay. we. It, this is a repeat question, but I think it's yeah. good for us. I mean, we're, we're three quarters of the way through this uh, right now on this live stream, uh, and a lot of people are watching it live as opposed to catching up. Uh, update on Derek Williams and also take people through your decision to put an RPM pick to Tassilia Kana to Texas. Yeah, uh, Derek Williams, um, nothing new from what we've heard earlier. Look, I'm going to say he signs tomorrow until I'm proven wrong. I've been proven wrong in this business before. I've been proven right in this business. Um, I, I talked to somebody 
uh, in that family today. And they said, you'll just have to wait until tomorrow to find out. Now, that wasn't uh, – obviously, I think there's some buildup going on with Derek Williams one way or the other. Uh, I think with Derek Williams, though, if he doesn't sign the first two days, we'll have a different conversation at that point. I'll say sign in tomorrow until I'm proven wrong. Um, to Celia Kana, uh, we talked about NIL and how these things change, and uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, look, there's confidence on a couple of sides of this recruitment. I, this decision is going to come out of Texas, Oklahoma, and LSU. I think that's it. I don't think it's going anywhere else. I know he took the visits to Colorado and Louisville. Um, I know Utah still tried to stay in that. But I think it's coming from one of those three schools. I think Texas and Oklahoma's had some confidence about him in this recruitment. I think a lot of the confidence on the Oklahoma side came after Brent Venables had a tremendous in-home uh, with Akana and his family uh, last week. And, and I get that. Um, but I put in the pick for Texas. And you know what? I'm standing alone on that ledge. And if somebody put, if the other seven guys that picked OU pushed me off tomorrow, I'll get back up and do it again. <laughs> That's what we like about you, Jerry. Be real, bud. Yep. All right. Um, here's a good question. Are there any recruits that were looking solid to us that may be wavering? Um, you know, I think Texas got Sadir short up after Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Trey Scott made that in home a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was a that was a big one that Georgia really made a strong push. And that's the school you worry about nationally. But if there if DeAndre Moore goes if after Sadir signs at 701 in the morning, as he said, East Coast time. And if DeAndre Moore goes to Texas tomorrow, Georgia wanted Texas. I mean, Georgia wanted more. They wanted him. That there's no question whether they do. I know 100 percent fat for fact. So Texas would have a couple of big wins over Georgia, which are hard to come by. Uh, maybe more difficult if you're a D lineman. So that Sadir Mitchell wins really big. I think Cedric Baxter, you know, he was a one-time commitment to FSU, but some of those happened a few weeks ago. Um, obviously. And, you know, Malik Muhammad, there was always people were going to wonder, was, was he going to take that last visit to Alabama? That didn't happen. So I think some of those key guys that Texas had to really battle for during the season, late in the season, those have been shored up. So I guess you're left with Derek Williams. If he does not sign tomorrow, then you start to look at that recruitment a little bit different. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say this, uh, Ryan Niblett, at one point, That's we true. were worried about him with Houston. That's a good point. What 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 was the deal there? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Houston did a really good job recruiting uh, in the Houston area. I think they made a really good uh, run at those guys like Dylan Spencer and, and Ryan Niblett. I think at the end of the day, what hurt a little bit in, in Houston's pursuit of that were the rumors the week before about Dana Holgerson's job security. I think the assistants did a great job getting those kids on campus, but I think the questions in the Houston area, if Holgerson was going to be back next year, hurt them at the end of the day, trying to get those, secure those flips. Yep. Uh, got some other questions coming in. Uh, what time are you guys going to be on the air tomorrow? Uh, we're starting at 8 a.m. Uh, and we will go through Oh, there we go. Look at that. Hey. Look at that. What a beautiful graph. I'm a good-looking guy on the screen. About time. Jesus. <laughs> I wonder if he looks tired and sleepy. How many <laughs> signing days has he, has he gone through, Jerry? Uh, there's a picture. For those who are listening to this and not watching, there's a pic of a, a young Arch Manning up there and not uh, the ugly mugs of Bobby Burton or Jerry Hamilton. Uh, so, hey, Jerry, uh, asking more questions for you uh, and one that I think is is valuable. Um 
you know, we, we talk about all these incoming recruits and we do it every year. You and I, yep. we always have talk about all these incoming recruits. What about the guys that are there on the roster already? Uh, whether that's Brent and, and to Loba uh, and his question here, what about Brennan Thompson and Savion Red on the depth chart with Jonte Cook coming in? You know, I'm one of those guys, I want to be honest, okay? The cream rises to the top. Right. And um, are there too many sometimes that, that are there? Yes, but not really. Because if you're going to play NFL football, you're going to get your shot. That Nobody has that much talent. If you're right. NFL good, you're going to play. Yes. And, and, and let's say this too. Used to, I, I would say before the portal, we gave kids a longer rope maybe to become a player at the college level. When you start looking at Thompson and Red, next year's almost their year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they take a if they take a step back this spring and next season, they're one, they're getting passed, and two, that means the school they're at is going to go to the portal and look for somebody better. These kids literally have two years now. To me, if you don't establish yourself as a strong player in the program in two years, you're in, you're in trouble. Uh, at a so, skill position, at a skill position, at a skill position. Because right. I think offensive line, there's still an interior right, defensive bake, line. Yeah, I mean, there's a bake period. Right. You know there what is. I mean? There is. Uh, um, linebacker, I think there's a little bit of one. Yeah, uh, but skill position, not just at the may, maybe safety. I could see a, a junior, somebody with a little more seasoning where you can't get beat over the top. Uh, you yep. don't want to play young guys necessarily. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, it's it's a new day and age, uh, and the portal plays a role in that. Uh, Loba, thank and, you. For, so yeah. I, I think I think what impacts could impact Savion Red is Jordan Whittington, right? I mean, that takes away a lot of reps in the spring potentially for you at a position you're probably best at. Um, so that's one. Uh, you know, with Brendan Thompson, to me, I would say, I, I bet you're the same way, Bobby. That's just about getting stronger and adding some weight to the frame. Uh, and he had the farthest to come. He came from Spearman. He was a jack-of-all-trades player. He'd never really caught a pass from a Power 5 quarterback, so he's never run a comeback route and got his head around and had to get his arms extended, his hands up, or the balls off your chest. Those are very new things to a kid like Brennan Thompson. Uh, so I expect him to be a better player this spring than anything he showed. Now, is that going to be enough to take reps away from John Tay Cook, who's a more developed player and polished player with bigger frame coming out of high school? We'll see. But I think this is a huge spring for Brennan Thompson for sure. Uh, I think Savion Red's going to be interesting because if Whitting, if Whittington does stay, which we think he is, that could potentially uh, take some reps away from Red. The, the biggest thing that hurt the receivers this year, though, Jerry, in their development was the style of offense Texas was forced to play yes. with um, Quinn Ewers, a true freshman or a redshirt freshman quarterback. And then you also have a, a bunch of young offensive linemen. So your pass protection, if you went with just one tight end, I mean, we saw what happened when you went with one tight end. They got, you know, they got beat. Um, and so then you also had B. John Robinson being your best player. So it was a very run-focused attack, especially later in the year. And so they, you did not see three and four wides. I think as you see Quinn Ewers get older and there's not a, you know, a, a experienced B. John Robinson or Roshan Johnson in the backfield, the type of offense morphs. And right. you'll see them 
uh, allow the left tackle. They'll allow Kelvin Banks to go one-on-one more frequently as opposed to put a tight end over the top. Um, That happens uh, as well. And so that's part of the, that's part of the process because it gives those guys more opportunities, particularly a guy like Thompson, who is a speed guy. It's, it, it was hard for Alabama to get Jalen Waddle on the field right. when you had to play two t- tight ends. Yep. I mean, uh, finally did it more and more as a sophomore year, and, and that uh, was a big big deal. A um, couple questions here uh, that I want to get to. Uh, that We had the state championships this past weekend. Uh, probably a guy that not pe- many people have mentioned uh, before these state championship games as a Texas recruit, and that's Trey Wisner. Uh, saw clips of the state championship game with DeSoto. Trey Wisner looks great. He's listed as a running back. However, can he be used as a slot receiver like DuVernay? I don't see a slot receiver. I see a Keelan Robinson type of role for him. Uh, Do you think he's better fitted, fit for that than Jalen Blue or Jaden Blue? Blue's got great hands now for a, a running back. The question is who's willing to play that role? I think Jaden Blue's better at it, but is that what he wants to be? Um, I, I, I so I think Wisner may be a little more accepting of that role. You know, I, I was by DeSoto recently, and they said he really came on the last half of the season. You know, he came from three A football in Waco, so and he had to develop physically. Um, and they said that his last half of the season was much better than his first half of the season, uh, and that kind of the in the discussion I got into with that staff is they thought he could be very good in the way Keelan Robinson was used at Texas. Got it. Um, question is Brennan, going back to Brennan Thompson, is Brennan Thompson running track this year? Yes, he is, is my understanding, but it will not uh, impede uh, his football practice. He's going to go to every football practice uh, and then go to track on the side. Uh, question, Jerry, d- does Jerry have any intel on Texas waiting on players transferring from the teams in the playoffs. So the top four teams. Yeah, I, I don't know on that necessarily. I think bowl games more in general. Uh, that's the next wave of portal guys, and it's not going to be a 1,000 or anything like that. It's not even going to be probably a fifth of that. Um, but I think there's going to be some really good players that are going to jump into the portal after these bowl games or – you know what? If you're sitting around in the university that's had some position coaching changes, offensive, defensive coordinator changes, I think that could affect things too when those hires are made. So I think those are the two things I'm looking at more than the uh, college football playoff teams. I think the bowl games in general. Yeah, I will uh, – Arkansas, something like 19 guys opted out already. I mean, for their bowl game. I um, I would say this. If I were looking at that, those kind of players – uh, for and, and take TCU out of the 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 bowl championship uh, group of those four. So you're really talking about Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia at this point. If there are guys Texas is looking at, I would lean to guys that have either previous relationships with guys on the staff or are from the state of Texas, and it's a bounce back situation, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that would be my comment to, uh, that situation. Uh, Jerry talking about, again, the, the, uh, about that, uh, uh, state championship games up in, uh, Jerry world, uh, Colin Simmons. Whoo. Uh, what am I seeing? A LSU crystal ball prediction from Britt. We need, we need him ridiculous talent. I couldn't agree more. 
ridiculous talent. I mean, just crazy talent. Yeah, no doubt about it. And look, he was high on LSU coming out of the summer, right? He's been to Texas as much as any school. He really liked Florida. Um, I don't know if he likes Florida after Oregon State beat the brakes off of him, but I still think he's going to stay closer to home, but I think he's going to play in the SEC. I could see it coming down to LSU versus Texas with uh, Georgia or Alabama in the mix. Um, I, not that he won't take the Ohio State visits, the Oregon visits, USC visits this spring. I think he, I think I could see him doing that. Uh, but I think LSU came out of the summer in a really good spot, and I think the season – Look, I mean, these kids grow up with Alabama on their mind. And when Brian Kelly came in in year one and beat Alabama, that means something in recruiting. Yeah. Uh, and people have to understand that. So they're working with positive momentum in 2024. And Texas turned, uh, you know, they turned a corner on the field this year. Uh, I think Texas has had a great relationship with Colin Simmons. I think he'll be on these campuses multiple times. Uh, before he makes a decision. All right. want to say thank you to our sponsor once more before we get to a final question. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your power provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, Jerry, last one for tonight uh, before we get some sleep. Much needed sleep and get going again tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Uh, here on a live stream. Uh, note, if you are an InsideTexas.com subscriber, uh, realize we are going to be putting up the signees as quickly as we can tomorrow as early as 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so if they come in, I, Jerry mentioned Sadir Mitchell expected to sign at 7.01 Eastern. Peyton, so, Peyton Kirkland as well. Yeah, so guys, yep. We get those guys. We're going uh, live with them on Inside Texas. So, uh, please uh, remember that. Uh, Jerry, I want to finish with this one. Uh, can you, from Steve Amatic, can you compare and contrast Colton Vosick to Ethan Burke? Because they are, uh, even though they're both uh, from uh, Austin Westlake, they're quite different players. Yeah, I think uh, Vosick is technically advanced. He's been a football player his whole life. His father played at Texas as a defensive line coach at Westlake. Uh, I, I think he really has an understanding of the game and more so his position. Uh, he's a very physical football player. He's advanced physically coming out of high school. His motor is nonstop. Uh, where, where him and Burke are similar is they both have great motors. I, I think you saw, saw that with Ethan Burke at Westlake. If you, didn't, if you need to see how good his motor is, just go watch him play lacrosse. When you dominate on lacrosse field, you have a motor. That is not easy to do. They couldn't be any more different from where they leave high school at. So all those things I said about Colton Vosick, it's the flip side with Burke. He's well coached at Westlake. Obviously, he had an injury as junior that really set him back. So he really came on as a senior. But he grew up lacrosse. His father is a professional lacrosse player, runs the Austin lacrosse, uh, youth lacrosse, and high school, high school coach at Westlake. So he's grown up lacrosse. He didn't grow up football. So it's the exact opposite in that in that manner. He came to college raw, much more raw than Colton Vosick as a football player. Burke has more athleticism to him and a longer frame. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how those guys develop because they are totally different, but they do come from the same program. Got it. All right. Jerry Hamilton, InsideTexas.com uh, and uh, on three. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, we appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, Jerry and I really do enjoy these conversations. We like talking. 
you're in the question. How many signing days, Bobby? You didn't answer. How many is that? Don't, when, was I graduated the first, when was the first year of recruiting advisor? 1993. Okay, there you go. So this will be, I guess, effectively 30. 30. Yeah. Congrats, Bobby. <laughs> As a professional, hey, I, while I was at Texas, I was working in, in, you know, cutting up film of the recruits and, oh, geez, Matt, our, our producer, two years before Matt was born. That's great. That just makes me feel so good. A nice, warm, and cuddly here while I'm fighting COVID. Thanks, Matt. I, I appreciate that. You guys are you guys are great to us. Uh, we appreciate your continued support of On Texas Football and Inside Texas as well. Uh, so we're signing off here. Jerry, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. Hook them. <laughs>